Agribusiness Conversations. This is Amber Morin, your host. My guest today is Audra Waddle, the Arizona queen bee, beekeeper and honey enthusiast. Her love for honeybees and their sweet products began at a very young age. She knew she would have bees one day, and now she has her own bee removal company, products, hives, and provides educational opportunities for kids and adults all across Arizona. Audra, thanks so much for joining me. I love that you knew you would always have bees. So tell me a little bit more about how your love for bees began. So when I think I was about 19 years old, my mom had a girlfriend that was a beekeeper. And when I first heard her say that out loud, I think my eyes really lit up because she almost instantly said to me, you want to come out and see my bees with me? And I was like, yes, I want to go see your bees with you. So we set a time and a date. We met up, drove out there, and I could not wait to jump out of her truck and go see the bees. And then she said to me, wait, wait, no, you can't get out of the truck. And I was like, why? I'm here to see the bees is what was going on in my head. And she said, because I only owned one bee suit. And I was like super duper bummed out about that. So she pulled the truck up super close to the hives and um, did her work. But when she would pull a frame out, she'd bring it over to the window so I could see. And I don't know, I was pretty bummed out. It wasn't enough for me. But that was kind of my first thing. It got under my skin and um, it just kind of dwelled. And uh, here I am today. Well, I love that you really wanted to get out there and participate. And I can see how you know bummed out you were. That makes sense. It sounds like you're a very hands-on type of person. So as you stepped into the honeybee business and you were learning more, what were some of the biggest learning curves that you had to sort of wrap your mind around? Oh, goodness. Um, biggest learning curve. So when I went to learn, figure it out, I didn't know any beekeepers at the time. This friend of my mom's had moved away. So I started buying books on Amazon. And each book was written in a different state, different geographical area. And each beekeeper has their own challenge where they live. And none of the books were written in Arizona. And I don't believe there is a book written for Arizona. So it was super confusing. And I'm like, okay, but this book says this and this book says that. How do I meld this all together and figure it out? So very blessed. met two wonderful beekeepers over time that they both just took me under their wings and kind of straightened me out, which is exactly what I needed. And they had tons of patience with me, which was beautiful because I needed it. I had all these really dumb questions from the books that I read. <laughs> Another huge stumbling block when I first got started is where you place your bees is a big deal. Is there nectar in the area? And learning how to figure out what flowers have nectar, what flowers don't have nectar, or what flowers have a little bit of nectar. I thought all flowers just took care of the bees, but that isn't the case as you dig into it. Some have a lot and some have a little. Some have none. Those are my biggest things. You know, those are things that I would have never even thought of. So I appreciate you just sharing that with the audience. Now, thankfully, you had some awesome mentors, and I love hearing that. How important were these relationships as you learned about honeybees and really grew your business? And are they still part of your life today? Oh, yes. These two mentors of mine, I love them dearly with all my heart. I would do anything 
to help them if they ever needed it. And yes, they're very much part of my life. I speak to them weekly or monthly. When you become a beekeeper, you just can never know it all. There's always something that pops up. You have a question. It's always good to have somebody over you that's been doing it longer. And then it's always great to mentor people below you and to keep the skill um, and the knowledge going from generation to generation because it, it wouldn't be good if we lost the knowledge. Absolutely. And I always tell people, sometimes the best way to learn things is just hands-on and just trial by fire. So um, it kind of sounds like that's what you went through yourself since the, the books online really were relevant, but not that relevant. So... Yes. <laughs> so what was it like to go on your first removal of unwelcome honeybees? I know you mentioned it on your website, but I'd kind of love to hear the story about it and where was it? And what was your favorite part? Yes. So I was trying desperately to find somebody who had a hive of feral bees on their property that they wanted removed, which was in the beginning tough for me to find people. I didn't know how to connect and do the advertising for that. But finally found someone. I was at my chiropractic office chit-chatting with somebody and she's like, oh, I think I know somebody. And it all started coming together. So these people were wonderful. I was totally upfront with them. I said, I've never done this before. I've just been studying it, researching it, but I would really love to rescue these bees from your backyard. And they were like, half at it. No problem. Um, it's in a, a chicken coop that we don't use anymore and they're underneath it. And I was like, okay. So I went out there and I was using a skill saw to cut open the floor of the chicken coop. Um, it was just made of plywood. Mm -hmm. And I cut open a big rectangle, about 12 by 18-ish size. And this was a really big hive that I was attempting on my first go which I couldn't recognize at the time what big and little was. I just knew there were bees there and I wanted bees. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I cut this big rectangle out and I hooked a hive tool under the wood and I went to pick up the wood, but the wood was very, very heavy. And I didn't know why it was so heavy other than, okay, bees don't weigh this much. <laughs> <laughs> and I, when I, I was sitting on a, a bucket doing this and I go to pick it up and I just get it up like I don't know a quarter inch maybe half inch and bees just were fluttering out I had let light into their home which was always dark and they were like what's going on up there so they were just coming out at me and I at the time didn't understand their personalities and why they behave the way they do so it was really freaky to me because I didn't understand so I set the wood back down and my heart was just absolutely pounding out of my chest. So I gave myself a couple minutes to collect myself. Then I went to pick it up again, and I did the same exact thing. I picked it up just a little bit. All these bees fluttered out. And then I set it back down, and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And then I said to myself, if you are ever going to become a beekeeper, you have got to pick up this piece of wood. And mm -hmm. so I gave myself a couple minutes, and then the next time it it was more of a, okay, one, two, three, lift. Then I picked the piece of wood up and I flipped it over and set it down gently. And what I had picked up was the heart of the honeycomb of the home. And that is why it's so heavy because honey is very, very heavy. 
16 ounces of volume of honey weighs a full pound. So as we all know, honey is really heavy. And I was picking up a lot of honey, but it was so beautiful. It was this just golden, beautiful piece of the hive. And I just flipped my vacuum on and my homemade vacuum at the time made off of a a YouTube video. My sweet husband built it for me. And I just vacuumed away as fast as I could. And I just kind of chipped away at it. It took me almost all day. A project like that now would take me a few hours. So that was my first, my first go at it. And it was a success. That's awesome. Now, just out of curiosity, were you able to keep those bees and use them in your own hives? Or what did you end up doing with them? So I didn't own bees yet at the time. So these were my very first bees. So yes, I collected them. And then I brought them back and put them in a traditional white beehive. The technical name is a Langstroth hive. And um, they lived with me. But I knew that I needed to requeen this hive. I needed to go in, find the feral queen, and purchase a new queen with clean genetic lines. I, I like purchasing Italian queens and do an exchange. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know how to find an Italian queen. It was the dead of summer. It was so hot out, not knowing buying queens is a seasonal thing where you can get your hands on it. But, you know, I really just felt blessed because I just started asking around, who knows how I can get a queen? And a friend finally said to me, someone in my neighborhood does something with bees. I don't know what what he does, but he's real nice. So I called him and I asked him and he just chuckled at me and he goes, yeah, I, ha- I have got some queens right now. And he was chuckling because it was time of year. Sure, I'll sell you a couple of queens to help you out. And there I had it. I was switching out queens a couple weeks into beekeeping and just thrown right into it, threw myself right into it, I should say. Audra, if you don't mind if I ask, but just um, some clarification around the, the clean genetics and why it's important to swap out the queens when you, get, when you bring in a new hive. Why is that an important part? Yes, it is vital. So my biggest specialty is rescuing bees. And when I go to people's homes and businesses, most of the time the bees are docile at night. But... Mm-hmm. There are times when they are angry instantly. Um, So honeybees in Arizona are a melting pot, just like us. You don't know what their genetic makeup is going to be. Nobody can look at a bee and tell you what its genetic makeup is. I can only do it by looking at their personality when I get into their home. Even though some are nice and some are angry, I change out all the queens. I want to know that I've got European honeybees on my hands. They're very safe for us to be around when we're suited. They're just kind. They're gentle. They're good honey producers. They're just good bees, nice and gentle. Don't have that fiery, angry disposition. Thanks, Audra. I was kind of wondering about that when you said Italian. I was like, hmm. So, you know, as you're transporting honeybees, obviously someone like myself, I don't know anything about transporting honeybees. How do you even start to do that? How do you take on a project of moving a hive and transporting them? What does that look like? So when I go to someone's house and I collect the bees in my now not homemade vacuum, (laughs) um, they go into a chamber that is the same size as 
the Langstroth hives that I use. So they patiently and gently get vacuumed up. This vacuum's got a valve on it where I can control the suction. So I, I do it very, very gently with the bees. And then I bring it to a location that is far away from people. It's a big field that I use where there isn't anybody in case they have got that fiery, angry disposition. I need it to be safe. I uh, take this chamber and I set it on top of the Langstroth hive. The bottom is false, so it's more like a drawer. I can pull open the bottom and then allow the bees to go down into their new home and live with me. So honestly, they just kind of get transported in the truck with me. I put them in the bed of the truck. They can very, very easily overheat. And uh, these are my new baby girls, so they go in the truck with me. That's awesome, Audra. Now, you said your specialty is rescuing bees, but you also have honey as part of your business. And as someone who has purchased and tasted some of the honey products that you have, I'm very curious how that part of your business started and how it's changed over the years, because I personally love your products. Oh, thank you. So I don't know. I didn't mark down the data exactly. Maybe it was a year and a half, two years into it, I was able to start selling the honey because the bees had excess. Honey is the bee's food. They make it to survive. I like to explain it this way. The the squirrels collect the nuts to get through winter. Well, the bees make the honey to get through winter. So when there's excess, they can share with me. (laughs) So um, I started out with just um, what I named Arizona Desert Bloom. My original honey is straight from my hives. I do not heat it. I do not filter it. It's the real deal. All the pollens of our area are in my honey. And then I wanted some more fun options. So I started making cinnamon honey, and I have a huge following for my cinnamon honey. It is highly loved. I did that for a number of years, and then I was like, what is this European-styled creamed honey, spun honey, whipped honey? What is this stuff? And I started buying it and loving it. And then I was like, how do I produce this? How do I make this? So I bought this really cool machine out of Poland, and it makes me creamed honey. It's about a three-week process, and what it is is it's honey that's crystallized, but the crystals are super small and delicate, and it turns it into a beautiful spread. I started out with making original creamed honey, and then I was like, okay, we need some fun flavors. So I started buying organic dried fruit. I make a strawberry, a blueberry, a lemon. I make a chocolate. And of course, I make a cinnamon cream honey. So they're just beautiful to put over a croissant or an English muffin or toast. Just a beautiful spread. It's not as messy. And it's very tasty. (laughs) Thank you. So one of the fun things that I like to ask beekeepers is, do you partner with local farms to offer pollination services? I do. Last year, I had a grower call me from South Phoenix. I believe his last name was Seacat. And the words on the phone he spoke to me just made me want to fall over. Like I knew it was real. I had read it. But now to hear it from a grower. And what he said to me was, my cantaloupes are blooming right now and there are no pollinators. He used the word no pollinators. My cantaloupes are not getting pollinated right now. And I have been calling around trying to find beekeepers. And when I find one, I ask them if they'll bring the bees over to help with the pollination. And I can't find anybody to do it. Will you please help me? And I have a really hard time saying no to somebody who needs help. 
So I was like, yes, I will come and help you. It's not one of my favorite things that I do, but I will do this for you. (laughs) The reason it's not my favorite is one, being female in South Phoenix by myself is not entirely fun. Two is when you go to move a beehive, you do it when the sun is not out. So you usually start at about dusk. The beehives are very, very heavy Mm -hmm. to pick them up, get them into the truck and drive them. I drove them to South Phoenix where his farm is and get them out of the truck and placed. And uh, this guy was just completely overjoyed and so grateful. And it was just, it was a cool thing to do. He specialized in very high-end melons that were from France and some really special tomatoes. And there's some chefs at really nice restaurants in Scottsdale who seek his produce out because it's so unique and special. So it's always nice to be a part of something bigger. I also do the almond pollination every year, but that is not local. My bees go outside of San Francisco for about three to four weeks out of every year. But again, making a difference. We're consuming so many almonds right now. We need them for so many reasons. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I do. I have so many more questions around that, but I just think it's important for people to acknowledge one, that a part of the start of the process of food production is really pollination and bees play a really, really big part in that. So now talking about the importance of honeybees, we're all aware that there are certain threats to honeybees. And like you said, that grower in South Phoenix said there's no pollinators. And for me, that's an indication of, well, there's population growth around the bees, loss of habitat. But can you touch base on some more threats? So I can't emphasize this enough. Plant flowers in your yard that have nectar. Seek out what those plants are and go for it. Too many people, a little bit uneducated on the importance of the bees, don't want the bees around, plant things that don't encourage them. And it's kind of a lot of times it's intentional. Mm -hmm. But once people are educated and realize that the importance of it, that just the lack of habitat and how much healthier the bee is when there's good healthy food around for them, it helps people to understand. Knowledge is so much power. Right. Well, and that sort of brings um, another question to mind, Audra, is obviously there's some fear based around honeybees and some people do have pretty severe allergic reactions to them, but a lot of people don't. So when you're talking about bee personalities and behavior, What are some things that we need to keep in mind as we're interacting with bees so that we don't turn them aggressive or make them angry? How can we behave and our behavior influence them? Yes. So we need to just be calm around them. If you're out hiking or if you're in your yard somewhere and you come across a hive, Mm -hmm. you need to remove yourself from the area and call me and let me come and relocate these bees. If they're just out on the flowers in your yard, that's completely different. They're just there to get the food and they're excited that there is food and they don't feel like they need to protect. When you're near their home, they could potentially feel like they need to protect. That's where the largest danger is, but um, it's just really being calm around them and removing yourself. I'm glad that you answered that because I know sometimes bees get curious if you're wearing bright colors. So just always remain calm is what I'm hearing. Yep. Just be calm with the bees. And if you're near their home, remove yourself. If they're just out collecting the nectar, I personally don't feel like it's a problem being near them when they're on the flowers. So what advice would you give to anyone who is starting or considering maybe 
owning a hive or getting into the honeybee business. I know that you said getting a mentor is a great part of that. What other advice would you give them? Yes, definitely find a mentor, find some good bees to purchase as your first set of bees. My route was crazy. I do not recommend my route. (laughs) Rescuing a ginormous hive, my first go of doing anything with bees. Um, And I also recommend when you buy your bees to buy two. Don't just buy one colony, buy two colonies. That way, if one colony is doing something and you're like, is that normal? Is that abnormal? You have a second colony to compare it to, and it'll really help you. Thanks for sharing that. As far as questions that you get when someone's calling in for a removal or has questions about bees, what are some common questions that you receive fairly often? So I get a lot of text messages and emails. I have bees on my property. Can you please give me a price? Um, so it's difficult to give a price via email or text. I do it, but so much better if people just pick up the phone and call me. But questions I'm asking is, where are the bees located? How high up are they? Have they ever stung anybody? How long do you think they've been there for? Things of that nature. And then I can give someone a price over the phone. I'm assuming and a large part of that is just because each hive is going to be very different. So it kind of makes your job fun, but also it makes the amount of work very different. So you can't necessarily give someone a price when they just say, hey, do you have a flat rate for bee removal? Exactly. (laughs) Yes, that is so true. Sometimes I'm cutting open someone's house and sometimes, gosh, I was in Fountain Hills yesterday evening and there was just a bundle of bees on the rocks just sitting there. So that's completely different. There's different prices, different amount of time and energy for each project. Now, um, this is sort of a fun question, but what has been your most challenging removal besides your first one? Or maybe your first one was one of your most challenging removals. What was my most challenging removal? Gosh, when they're just up so high, I was in Arcadia yesterday also, and with my ladder and as far as I can reach, I can get to about 20 feet, and this height was about 20 and a half. I don't know. It was really difficult. So sometimes just reaching up, and I have to stay safe or I can't do it. So height probably is really challenging. One time I was in Gilbert, right over by the Costco, and the bees were like, I don't know. 40 feet up, and she actually rented a lift for me from A to Z Rental. That's awesome. I was actually just going to ask you that. Like, do you have a lift that, you know, access to lifts? So so that's really sweet that she did that. So that's the first time I ever had a individual rent one, but I have three different cell phone tower companies that hire me, and they always provide the lift and an operator. That's how I knew how to operate this lift because I had seen it done a few times. But yeah, it's, it's kind of fun to get up way high. Right. So I'm very curious how you came up with a name for your business. And then if you have any advertising advice for anybody that's starting a business, what's worked for you? What hasn't worked for you? So I originally started my business name out as Love Our Bees. And then my girlfriend was selling her branding of her business, AZ Queen Bee, and I purchased it from her. So my LLC is Love Our Bees and my DBA is AZ Queen Bee. For advertising, get good on social media, take classes and just 
dig into social media. Yes, I can't agree with that more. Social media is just the way everything's going. What are some of your favorite fun facts to share about honeybees? Because I know that you do lots of educational seminars and you show up to different trade shows. So most people don't know this, but honeybees live a very short lifespan. They live for approximately four to six weeks and then they perish. And in that time frame, each bee will make approximately one drop of honey. Honey is so special. There's just so much work and effort and love that the bees put into making it. So I never waste any honey on the bottom of any bucket, on the bottom of any jar. Everything gets scraped out. If it's the bottom of the jar in the kitchen, you know, maybe warm coffee will get poured into it and swirled around. Wow. I did not know that either, Audra. I thought that they made a little bit more than that, but they are tiny little creatures. So yeah, tiny little creatures that work really hard. With that being said, during the winter time when there's less flowers and they really can't produce food, do the numbers of the hives get smaller? Sort of how do they go into that hibernation mode? The numbers do decrease a little bit, but they just have hopefully done well spring and summer producing lots of honey. A good beekeeper never takes too much of the honey, always leave plenty for the bees so that they can be healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they have their reserves. They hunker down in Arizona when the evenings are cold. They bundle together in the hive to keep each other warm. They use vibration to create warmth. They just kind of get through it. When you're looking at how much honey to take from a hive to make sure that they have enough reserves, do you have like a rule of thumb to make sure that the hives are going to be successful and really make it through the winter time? It's a tough one to answer. It goes by how many bees are in the hive, how many stories high the hive is, and then you determine from that how many frames of honey are left in the hive. How I was taught, everyone does it a little different, but I keep my frames of honey on the outside Mm -hmm. excellent insulation and the brood goes in the middle. Everybody always keeps the brood or the nursery in the middle. That's something more to like show somebody when we're in the hive. At this point, Audra, is there anything that we have missed that, you know, you would like the audience to know about honeybees or your services or advice that you would just give to novice beekeepers? Just spread the good word that we protect these girls and I think that would be my biggest thing. Let's all get out there and talk about the bees. As much as you know, educate someone else. Any little bit that we can make adds up. Absolutely. Now, do you have any um, recommended flowers that you encourage? Oh, yes. You do? Okay, awesome. So rosemary grows great here in the Phoenix Valley, and it gives lots of nectar. The mesquite tree, tons of nectar, great shade, but you really need to water it correctly. Johnny Bottle Brush, they come in bushes and in trees, tons of nectar and great color in your yard. And the Texas Sage Bush, there's a number of different varieties. Those will bloom out multiple times during the heat of summer when we start to go into a dearth and there's not nectar around. Those will provide it, little spurts here and there. And there's so much through the valley that it really helps our bees. And believe it or not, the pineapple palm will bloom and during the dearth the summer when the nectar's not around and give a ton of nectar. I love Texas sage and I used to have one in my yard and I just, they're beautiful little shrubs and those purple flowers are awesome. So it's good to know that bees love them too. They do. They love them. Can I have one thing to throw out there? Yes, please do. 
with everybody listening, if anybody knows of somebody who specializes in grants, I am really trying to find a grant because I need to get myself a forklift and I need a little financial support with it. So please contact me if um, anyone's got some information on grants. Perfect, Audra. I certainly don't mind that at all. And I hope that some of our listeners can help you out with that. I imagine with all of the the hives that you have, like you said, they get really heavy. So a forklift would not be a bad thing to have. No, I've got to protect my back so I can do this, you know, when I'm in my 70s and 80s. (laughs) I don't ever want to stop. Oh, I love that. So Audra, how can people reach you and stay in touch with you as you're out there on your journeys and your adventures of rescuing bees and providing services around the valley? Yeah, so when I come across something beautiful, I snap lots of pictures and I post them on my social media, Facebook and Instagram. So AZ Queen Bee for Facebook and AZ Queen Bee Honey for Instagram. You can always call me, 602-881-9877. You can go to my webpage, azqueenbee.com. And there's an email button in there to contact me. And you can also find all of my fun products on my webpage. You can also find my honey at grocery store. They have my original and they have my cinnamon. Oh, that's awesome. Kind of going off on a tangent, but how long have you been in Sprouts and how has that relationship developed? I'm so excited that you're in those stores. Yes. So maybe it was approximately a year and a half ago, they approached me. They were my biggest dream was to get into Sprout. And I had started kind of preparing myself to go talk to them, like figuring out the UPC code, insurance, things of that nature. I had had it all in the works. I just didn't have it all tied up. And I was at a booth selling honey and someone approached me, tasted the honey and then said, would you be interested in selling your honey and sprout? And I couldn't believe these words were being spoken to me. And I kind of went into shock, this silent shock. And the guy looked at me like, okay, is she going to answer my question? (laughs) And I was like, yes, I would love to sell my honey in your store. And anyway, it it came together and it's been a great relationship. They are a wonderful company, wonderful company to work with. Oh, that's so exciting, Audra. So I have to throw out there too, that was my biggest dream. My next biggest dream is a forklift. I'm going to figure this out. The next step. Yes. Well, and I love it because if you don't talk about what you need or where you want your business to go, you know, no one's going to know. And really, I have a good feeling that you're going to get your forklift sooner than you might think. Awesome. I can't wait. Literally can't wait. Um, So Audra, I appreciate your time and I thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm excited for the listeners to hear from you just out of curiosity. I mean, right now is sort of peak bee season. How long is that going to last? Through the middle of summer about each season's a little different, but that's a good rule of thumb. So it's not too late for people to plant some flowers out there and really help the bees out is what I'm hearing. Nope plant away, plant to your heart's content. Awesome. Well, I will encourage the audience to do that. Audra, I appreciate your time and just thanks so much for being with me this morning. Thank you. That wraps up this episode of Agribusiness Conversations. You can find Agribusiness Conversations on Apple Podcasts or podbean.com. 